Hello, I'm Jason Dick, and this is the CQ on Congress Coronavirus Special Report. We're bringing you daily updates on the policy news you need to know using the reporting prowess of CQ Roll Call. Today is Thursday, May 14th, 2020. If we fail to improve our response now based on science, I fear the pandemic will get worse and be prolonged. There will be likely a resurgence of COVID-19 this fall. It'll be greatly compounded by the challenges of seasonal influenza. Without better planning, 2020 could be the darkest winter in modern history. That's Dr. Rick Bright, the ousted director of the nation's vaccine agency, testifying before Congress today for four hours. He also has filed a whistleblower complaint about his firing. We'll hear more about him later on in the podcast. Meanwhile, the toll of the pandemic shows few signs of slowing down. While young adults and children were initially thought to be largely safe from the worst parts of COVID-19, disturbing trends are emerging. Young adults with no preconditions are showing up in hospitals with strokes. And a new study out by the medical journal The Lancet provides the strongest evidence yet that COVID-19 is showing up in young children, but manifesting itself in something similar to Kawasaki disease, an illness stemming from inflamed blood cells. The pandemic also continues to hammer America's workforce. Since the virus started hitting the United States two months ago, as many as 39 million people have applied for unemployment benefits. That spurred lawmakers from both sides of the aisle to call for the federal government to pursue a guaranteed income program as part of the relief effort. Tonight, we delve into the whistleblower's hearing, a senator who's embroiled in a stock scandal tied to classified briefings he received on the pandemic, and a first responder system developed after 9-11 that is working well. We begin with CQ Roll Call health policy reporter Emily Kopp on the remarkable testimony of Dr. Rick Bright. Rick Bright says he was pushed aside from his top job at the nation's leading vaccine agency for expressing concerns over two anti-malarial drugs that the president has been touting as a treatment for COVID-19. He has sought protection as a whistleblower. The president tweeted today that, the, that Bright is a disgruntled employee and that he should be fired. Today, Bright's testimony in front of the House Energy and Commerce Health Subcommittee offered a rare and candid window from a government scientist into the federal response to the pandemic. We don't have a single point of leadership right now for this response, and we don't have a master plan for this response. Government scientists, including members of the Coronavirus Task Force, have been restricted in what they can say publicly. We have the world's greatest scientist. Let us lead. Let us speak without fear of retribution. Bright said unless changes are made to better align the pandemic response with science, there could be tragic consequences. Our window of opportunity is closing. If we fail to improve our response now based on science, I fear the pandemic will get worse and be prolonged. There will be likely a resurgence of COVID-19 this fall. It'll be greatly compounded by the challenges of seasonal influenza. Without better planning, 2020 could be the darkest winter in modern history. Bright also called the administration's public messaging on a timeline for an eventual vaccine overly optimistic. A lot of optimism is swirling around a 12 to 18 month time frame. If everything goes perfectly, we've never seen everything go perfectly. I still think 12 to 18 months is an aggressive schedule, and I think it's going to take longer than that to do so. Bright said he was pressured to, quote, flood, unquote, New York and New Jersey with hydroxychloroquine, despite a lack of clinical data supporting its use in COVID-19 patients, as well as evidence that the drug could cause cardiac problems and death. 
Department of Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar disputed Bright's allegations. Standing beside President Trump at the White House Thursday afternoon, Azar said that Bright had signed the emergency use authorization allowing for a donation of chloroquine to the national stockpile. And on hydroxychloroquine, Dr. Bright literally signed the application for FDA authorization of it. Literally, he's the sponsor of it. So it, this just, his allegations do not hold water. They do not hold water. Bright countered he had issued the authorization because it put up conditions restricting the d- drug's use. Patients would need to be hospitalized and under the close watch of a doctor. Caesar's office had wanted the drug to be available more widely. Republicans worked to poke holes in his testimony, citing anecdotal evidence that doctors in their home states had found success with hydroxychloroquine. In April, the Food and Drug Administration issued a warning that the drug was not an effective treatment for COVID-19 and could have fatal side effects. I contacted some states last week about what they're doing with their supplies of the drug in the wake of that warning. Some state health departments say that they are still deciding what to do with it. Some are redirecting the supply to rheumatoid arthritis patients and lupus patients. Medical conditions, the drug is FDA-approved to treat. Now to CQ Roll Call ethics reporter Chris Marquette on Senator Richard Burr who stepped down from his chairmanship of the Intelligence Committee today. Senator Richard M. Burr will step down as chairman of the Intelligence Committee pending a federal investigation into his stock trades that followed a confidential briefing on the coronavirus pandemic before the financial markets cratered. The announcement comes after the Los Angeles Times reported late Wednesday night the FBI served a warrant on Burr at his Washington, D.C. residence. Those federal agents seized the North Carolina Republican's cell phone to examine communications between him and his stockbroker. Source familiar with uh, McConnell said that Burr will stay on the Intelligence Committee and said his move to step aside as chairman is above and beyond conference rules, uh, just to give a sense of uh, what has happened in prior instances where uh, members of Senate committees have uh, gotten into uh, legal trouble. Uh, Senator Bob Menendez of New Jersey temporarily left his post as the top Democrat on the Foreign Relations Committee after he was indicted on federal corruption charges. Uh, They were eventually dropped by the Justice Department, and he uh, regained his committee slot uh, after that. Uh, Burr has not been formally charged with any wrongdoing, but after a uh, confidential Senate briefing, uh, Burr sold between uh, 628,000 and 1.72 million in in stock on February 13th. And that was after his uh, intelligence panel began receiving daily coronavirus briefings. Additionally, uh, NPR obtained a recording back on February 27th in which Burr offered a private assessment of the adverse economic impact from the coronavirus, which was a contrast to his more upbeat public comments uh, on, on the pandemic. Uh, when asked Thursday whether he exercised poor judgment regarding his stock trades in question, Burr replied, nope. He went on to say it's part of the investigation and everybody ought to let this investigation play out. Burr said that he has uh, been cooperating with uh, investigators since the outset of the inquiry and his decision to step aside as intelligence chairman is to quell the distraction the scandal is bringing to the panel. Senator Kelly Leffler, a Georgia Republican, started selling off assets on January 4th, the same day the White House officials briefed the Senate Health Committee on the coronavirus. Uh, She went on to sell over 
$1 million in stock. Her spokesperson uh, told Roll Call that allegations of improper trading by Senator Leffler are completely false based on a political attack, misrepresenting the facts to prey on the emotions of the American people as they endure the impact of a global pandemic. Uh, she went on to say that no search warrant has been served on Senator Leffler. Uh, she has followed both the letter and spirit of the law and will continue to do so. So that's uh, you know a huge difference between uh, how Leffler's alleged pl- stock transactions are being addressed by the Justice Department as opposed to Burr's, where you know Burr has actually had had this process get put in place, whereas Leffler has not had a warrant served on her. Finally, we end tonight with some good news. 9-11 revealed shortcomings in our communication systems for first responders. It seems we took some of those lessons and learned from them. Here's CQ Roll Call senior staff writer, Gopal Ratnam. One of the recent stories that I've been uh, reporting on is how the uh, telecommunications network that was set up in the aftermath of 9-11 has found use as public safety officials and uh, first responders have rushed to create uh, ways to communicate with each other and to deal with the pandemic. The network is called FirstNet, and this was created by an act of Congress in 2012. And this stemmed from the failures seen in the immediate aftermath of 9-11 when police and fire and other emergency personnel couldn't communicate with each other because each one was using a different communications channel and all the communications channels were overburdened with uh, calls and uh, messages. Um, the, the first net is a uh, separate um, network using broadband communications, similar to what all of us would use for cell phones, but it's a dedicated one just for first responders and emergency personnel. And it's operated by AT&T, and it has presence in all the 50 states and territories of the District of Columbia. And uh, I've been talking with the people who uh, are in charge of the program, and they tell me that they have activated sites for uh, emergency personnel, quarantine centers, testing centers, and pop-up hospitals around the country uh, that would require uh, connectivity. So they would set up like a, a mobile cell phone tower on wheels or launch a blimp that has a cell phone connection that can connect these remote locations to bigger cities and bigger centers. Um, I mean, one of the examples that uh, AT&T told me was how the U.S. Naval Hospital ship called Mercy that arrived in Los Angeles uh, to help with the cities uh, coping with the pandemic. And uh, in, in this particular case, AT&T was able to set up a mobile network that could connect the rest of the country's network with uh, the hospital ship and uh, the personnel on board that ship. Um, the same network is also being used to help uh, remote locations across the country that don't have um, access to healthcare, um, and then to help set up people with telehealth and telemedicine options. So there's a pilot program, AT&T, and another healthcare company called Centene are uh, working in uh, four states, Arkansas, Georgia, Kansas, and Mississippi. So the goal of the uh, telehealth telemedicine pilot program is to help uh, you know connect elderly patients and others with pre-existing conditions who uh, are unable to go to their regular physicians or a hospital um, without risking exposure to the pandemic. So the goal is to help uh, people like that connect with their physicians and still be able to get some medical advice. 
That's our CQ on Congress coronavirus special report for today. We'll be back Friday with the latest. For all of us in the CQ Roll Call Newsroom, I'm Jason Dick.